Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm producer Rihanna Cruz. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. So I feel like 2024 has already been off to a good start with new releases, right? For sure. Absolutely. The year just started, and we already have the first big album release of the year with Caliucci's and her album Orchideas. That was Pensamientos Intrusivos, or in English, Intrusive mm. Thoughts. Mm. And it sounds like Caliucci's brand of signature romantic dream pop, mm. of which there is a lot of on Orquideas. But what makes Orquideas special is that it's more than the standard Caliucci's sound. Mm. What's really interesting about this record is that it takes us through multiple different sounds in the Latina diaspora, highlighting Kelly's versatility to break genre and cultural barriers in her music. Oh, this is exciting because I got to speak with Kelly Cheese uh, back at VultureFest 2022, and she had told me about these two new albums coming out. One, a primarily English album called Red Moon and Venus that came out in 2023. And then there was this like, Spanish language album that was going to be coming out and she wasn't telling me when. I was really excited to hear it. We finally have it. This is cool. Yeah, and going even further back, I remember when we covered her song After the Storm and I was so impressed the way Caliuchis found her collaborators in the worlds of jazz and hip-hop and classic funk. So I'm excited to learn more about her latest release and see where she's taking her sound in 2024. That's part of the beauty of Caliucci's is that she combines all of these different sounds and genres into her music. And with regards to her Spanish language records, you might know her as a Colombian-American singer and songwriter. Mm -hmm. But she's not just doing Latin music on Orquideas. She's doing global music. Mm. And I want to break down how she does that. So let's take a look inside the flowery world of Caliucci's. Take us there. So, Charlie, as you previously mentioned, you interviewed her at VultureFest, yeah. had a delightful conversation. Oh, thank you. One of the two records that you mentioned, she released last year, Red Moon and Venus, making Orquideas her fourth LP. And Orquideas is Cali's second Spanish language album following Sin Miedo, which came out in 2020. Sin Miedo itself is kind of the gift that keeps on giving. Look at her song Telepatia, which you could still hear on Latin and hip hop radio four years after its release. Mm. 
Telepatia is arguably Caliucci's biggest hit. It has over a billion streams on Spotify, and it's easy to see why. Here, there's a few things happening that we can attribute to the Caliucci's sound. So right from the get-go, we have spacey, dreamlike synth pads and a kind of spacey production. Yeah, that's that synthy dream pop sound. Right, and there's like R&B drums in there too. Kind of mid-tempo. It's not. It's like maybe in the 80s in terms of BPM, kind of slow and like just taking its time. Mm. Exactly, and her vocals come in delivering what we've come to know Caliucci's for. It's her voice. Yeah, it's super casual. Like it kind of feels like you're just talking to her across the table. You know, it's not like big over-the-top vocal. It's not whispered. It's almost just like a spoken volume. Very relaxed. I remember when we described Ice Spice's rap flow as unbothered. <laughs> Could we call this like unbothered singing? You always bring that up, Nate. I do, I do. I have brought that up a few times. It really, it really, <laughs> it really affected me. <laughs> because that's 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 the goal that we should all have is to live our life unbothered, you know. So so I think it's I think we respond to that when we hear it in in music because it's very that's very liberating. I'm sure it's not easy to do. Yeah. I'm sure it takes a lot of work to sound that unstudied. She's moving very lackadaisically mm. in the way that she's singing while also making her vocals airy and sensual. I think they're quite lilting and to do an esoteric comparison to fonts, right? Her voice isn't italic per se. Like I wouldn't <laughs> say she has the same type of voice as like SZA in the way that SZA is kind of singing in italics and mm. kind of cursive. I would say Kelly Uchis's voice is kind of like an Apple Chancery font, right? Sexy, <laughs> ornate, and kind of has a little flair to I it. Gotta Google. You, you can't just. You, that's not like Times New Roman. Who knows Apple Chancery? <laughs> it's classic, Nate. Come on. I'm looking at it now. It's 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 very attractive. Yeah, it's got it's got um, what's it called? Serifs, right? Mm, mm-hmm. But they're yeah. but they're very ornamented. Do you know Apple Chancery, Charlie? Is that a thing? No, I don't. But I honestly, to use my own extended metaphor of sitting across from the table, uh-huh. this kind of looks like restaurant menu font yes like like nice nice dining yes font <laughs> but like also you could see it at like the cheesecake factory so it's nice <laughs> but accessible nice but accessible yes definitely okay i, I think we got to come up with a new i feel like we're shading reviving cali just a little bit by who wants to be compared to the cheesecake factory menu i would okay I would love fair that. enough fair love enough. cheesecake factory right, yeah. got a gift card right <laughs> on my desk back. maybe i'm being maybe i'm being a snob right now Rihanna's a fan. <laughs> okay, so this is her vibe. We got the Apple Chancery sound. Mm-hmm. It's unbothered. It's lackadaisical. Mm-hmm. How does this telepatia sound that she's established, how does this connect us to the new album? Well, the real beauty of Orchideas in particular is its ability to expand upon this Caliucci sound and incorporate different facets of Latin music into the sound that we've come to know her for. Hmm. In this regard, I find the record very similar to Bad Bunny's Un Verano Sin Ti or Rosalia's Motomami, the way that all three records expand on these artists' sounds to include the entirety of Latin music in their sonics. Hmm. So let's take a look at a couple songs on this record and explore their different genres, shall we? Please. 
First off, we have my personal favorite on the record, Te Mata. Wow. Okay, this is so fitting. I feel like one of the things that we didn't say about Kelly, she's, she's also kind of like a um, an Amy Winehouse, mm. where she also draws a lot from the past. Mm-hmm. Her music does often feel a bit timeless. And this song, I feel like, could be from 70 years ago. Yeah, I was not prepared for the kind of time warp effect that this song gives us. Rihanna, like, what, what, what kind of references are we hearing here exactly? Well, this track is a great representation of the bolero, genre hailing from Cuba. And Caliujis has explored the sounds of bolero before, namely on the opener to Sin Miedo, La Luna Enamorada. Slow, sultry, behind the beat. Oh, it's beautiful. What are some of the essential sonic signifiers of bolero? Well, bolero at its simplest is melodramatic romanticism. Mm. It's a very old genre that stems from the 1800s. The first bolero was written in the 1880s, and it's Pepe Sanchez's Tristezas. Uh, That's a song whose title literally translates to sadness. And the lyrics talk about suffering and pain in the context of a relationship. Here's the version by Irving Lara and his orchestra. So in English, those lyrics we just heard mean there is no proof of love that reveals how much I suffer and I suffer for you. So Bolero kind of centers on this idea of love is suffering <laughs> and Te Mata being a Bolero song. Hmm. It, it fits because the title literally translates to it kills you. Devastating. Yeah. So we're seeing the same kind of depressing romantic themes in this genre at large and in Te Mata. That rendition of Tristezas that we heard is more upbeat than the usual Bolero, the version that Irving Lara is doing. More often than not, a bolero sounds like te mata, relying on strings and strong vocals to carry out the grandeur of the lyrics, which we could hear on the song's chorus. Nice moment at the beginning there where the strings chromatically descend just like a like you're sulking over falling over crying all the tears Oof. other famous boleros carry a similar power here's perfume de gardenias by la sonora santanera Temata is really great in this regard because it highlights the flexibility of Callie's vocal range and her vocal power. We start the song in a low register. Mm. 
spoken low alto. And then we move into her classic breathy head voice, the Apple Chancery voice, as we previously talked about. (laughs) And the song culminates in a powerful chorus bolstered by whistle tone harmonies, which you could hear in the background. There's some real belting in there, Damn, too. Damn, you know, Kind of big, powerful moments. Uh, right. I'm sorry. Ugh, wow. it, uh, are you okay? What? Gesundheit? <laughs> <laughs> That's German, Nate. Let's leave the singing to Caliuchus, uh, Charlie. Okay. Fair, fair, fair. Rihanna, what do you think Caliuchus is trying to accomplish by including this bolero genre in in her release? It's 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 It seems like it's like you were saying, sort of referencing this deep tradition of super romantic, over-the-top vocals and kind of slow tempos and sad lyrics. How does it fit into the rest of her like more contemporary sound? I think it's speaking to that timelessness that Charlie mentioned earlier. It's connecting Callie to the genres that preceded her, while also forging her new lane. And on this record, Callie places an equal importance on the genres of the past as she does on the genres of the present. On the first single from the record, Muñequita, we move from Cuba to the DR, Dominican Republic, Mm. for her foray into Dembo. Oh, like old school Dembo. Okay, this is wild. When you said Dembo, I was expecting more of like a contemporary, hard-hitting, like reggaeton kind of beat. But this is way more of the like 90s Jamaican Dembo rhythms where you have these sort of cheap, plasticky synths. uh, You have DJ scratching in there. The whole vibe is much more DIY production from another era. Yes, and I also think it's pretty current. I mentioned Motomami earlier. And right off the bat on this track, I'm hearing similarities to Rosalia's Bicochito. <laughs> There's those cheap sense. Mm. The drums sound like they're from a 90s drum machine. They're like, they're not good, but they're great. <laughs> no, exactly. And both songs have those sonic similarities while they also contain the high BPM and the Dembo rhythm, mm. you know, the fast pace, more rhythmically intricate than reggaeton rhythm. Exactly. That we hear in a lot of Dembo tracks. I think the songs also are more similar metatextually because there's interpolations at play uh. in both tracks. Huh. Bicochito has an interpolation of the bass line from Buster Rhymes' song, Dangerous. So that synth line follows the same notes and rhythm as the bass line from Dangerous. Which is appropriate because the whole thing in 
dembo music is the use of rhythms which is like literally the complete reappropriation of an already popular song and just putting it with a new melody on top so i love that they're sort of like the blurring the lines of you know modern interpolation with traditional you know rhythm culture i'm shook because how do these two sounds coexist on this record like this old school (laughs) bolero and this dembo drum machine in your face track like do, do these flow together or, or or do they kind of just represent more of a i don't know postmodern pastiche that she's giving us here hmm. i think it's more of the postmodern pastiche i really like the phrasing of that because i also think it's like a pastiche of the entire sounds of latin america mm-hmm. in the case of muñequita it is a dembo track, which is Dominican and Jamaican, as we previously talked about. But it also contains a nod to the Panamanian rapper Lorna and her hit Papi Chulo. Wow. That's a classic. And let's listen to Muñequita. Fine. Now I'm starting to feel like Caliuchis is doing a project which is similar to how Beyonce built Renaissance, where it's like, you're not just going to build an album with your favorite genres, but you're actually going to go and cite your favorite artists from those genres as a way of, you know, claiming authenticity. Yeah, and that's present even on the features of this track. Muñequita features JT from City Girls, but it also Hmm. features El Alfa. And the inclusion of El Alfa speaks to, I think, a larger statement on the record because El Alfa is known as the king of Dembo. Wow. Is it fair to say that she pulls this off because she is so skilled at executing these different genres and she pays fealty to the originators by including them on on some of these tracks? It's like, how is she able to incorporate all these diverse influences? She she does it right. Yeah, and other songs on the record also include icons of their own right. Igual que un ángel uses peso pluma. (laughs) <laughs> a new icon. We talked about Peso Pluma on our Mexican regional episode, and his defining characteristic, which you can kind of hear here, is he has a very scratchy, abrasive mm. voice. It's kind of like sandpaper. <laughs> here, Kelly uses his voice to make it much more smooth. So she's using these icons, you know, El Alfa on a Dembo track and Peso Pluma, who's a new icon, in this new fun and exciting way. She's kind of beckoned him into this world that you established at the outset of the episode, Rihanna, of like this kind of laid back sensuality. It's kind of it's it's mm. cool to to hear him maybe in a you know outside of his comfort zone, perhaps. And speaking of inviting artists into this world of Caliuchis, let's take a look at the song Labios Mordidos featuring reggaeton superstar Carol G. Mm. 
Labios Moridos is interesting in a few ways. It features Carol G, a fellow Colombian artist, mm-hmm. and it's also a reggaeton track, which is a genre hailing from Panama and Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. She also, and this going back to what we mentioned before about Jamaica and rhythms, she also incorporates a famous rhythm from Jamaica about a minute and a half in to Labios Mordidos. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Is that is that ringing any bells? It just give, happens. Give for it to a me second. one more time, Rihanna. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Uh, is it like a Toots and the Maytals thing? What what is that? Correct, Charlie. That yeah, is yeah. the Chug. bam bam rhythm. Yeah, of course. Oh, right. Sister Nancy, right? Well, actually, so there's two there's two bam bam oh, rhythms. It's I wanted easy to get, to I get wanted confused. to get one right like Charlie and I just <laughs> face planted instead. This bam bam rhythm comes from Toots and the Maytals 1966 track Bam Bam. It was popularized, though, through the song Murder, She Wrote by Chaka Demas and Pliers. And the use of this rhythm is even more appropriate because the line that the rhythm comes after is talking about how Kelly loves women from across the diaspora. I love my Brazilians and my Colombians, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans. I love my Mexicans. Mm. Mm. I feel like the sonics of this track support that lyrical idea of loving folks from all over Latin America because even though we have a reggaeton beat, the surrounding production feels like it's drawing from all kinds of other influences. You have that sort of wub-wub kind of uh, dub bass going on, and then there's this uh, really high-pitched stringed instrument, which it's it's kind of manipulated, so I can't tell exactly what it is. Maybe it's like either an Andean trongo or a Colombian tiple. I really like how this song incorporates so many sounds from so many different regions. Labios Mordidos is a great track, but to end Orquídeas, Cali takes a similar left turn on the track Dame Beso, Muevete. She's doing salsa. Wow. <laughs> Love, yeah. Cool. This is a sound we've never heard Callie do before, but her voice fits perfectly over the horns. It it fits, you know, and, and it's calling back to that timelessness, that Amy Winehouse kind of vibe that, Charlie, again, you talked about earlier. Halfway through Dame Beso, Muevete, she speeds the song up to a merengue jaunt. <laughs> It reminds me of a similar structured song, Después de la Playa yes, by Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny, yeah. I was going to get that one, Charlie, just for the record. I, was, I, <laughs> I knew that was, that was coming. I'm really determined to 
one up your toots in the maytels knowledge but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if i have an opportunity sorry rihanna please go ahead play it anytime love that song and bad bunny prior to releasing that song on un verano sinti had also never dabbled in salsa merengue and mambo before hmm. so cali is doing the same thing and on one track she's bringing in multiple genres multiple countries culminating in a vibe of latin music at large on the record but it's not just these diverse Latin American sounds that she's incorporating on Orquídeas. She also nods to more global sounds, which we will get to after the break. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. <laughs> I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong, and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing, because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. Eurovision is here. This year's contest gets underway this week in Malmö, Sweden, but this year's contest comes with a dose of controversy. I'll give you one guess as to what people are mad about. Yes, correct. It's that. Organizers of the Eurovision Song Contest say they are assessing whether Israel's entry breaks the rules on political neutrality. I think it's a shame. I think there is no way that, that Israel should be able to participate in Pro Palestinian protesters are taking to the Swedish streets. More than a thousand Swedish artists, including Robin, have called for an Israel ban. Some European politicians are joining them. Charlie Harding from Switched On Pop joins us this week on Today Explained to help us figure out if Europe can sing its way out of this situation. So there's even more to talk about on Orquídeas. Look at Kali Ujis's track, Diosa. What are you guys hearing here? Talk to me. Nate, why don't you take over? Okay, what I'm hearing is the same now familiar Kali Ujis vocal, sensuous, breathy, lackadaisical. But now it's over this new texture that we haven't heard yet. And it's something not Latin American. And I'm 
very curious to to hear where this is coming from. Well, you're right on the money, Nate, because this isn't a Latin America genre that she's playing in. Diosa is an example of Cali dabbling in the African genre of a mapiano. And I'll be the first to admit, I'm not super familiar with Amapiano. I talked to Rolling Stone writer Manca Percante, who provided some insight as to where the genre comes from. So Amapiano got, I think it's more so mainstream breakthrough in its country of origin, South Africa, uh, in around like 2019. But years prior, it was building and bubbling in Johannesburg and Pretoria, different areas in South Africa. Um, and it really spread throughout the country there in a way that I think is like not as familiar to us like it was through Ubers it was like people were like hearing different songs hearing people play different songs there's even a very popular album a piano song that has like Uber in the title from like around this emergence and like people were spreading and sharing this songs like not like on like Spotify or Apple Music, but through like mp3s and uploads to different websites that folks could access for free. When Ama Piano was first breaking through, it was largely instrumental, and the songs were also very long. The Ama Piano songs that I was introduced to early on are like seven, eight, nine, ten minutes long. Completely instrumental, no vocals. It's a descendant of South Africa's like strong and long lineage of house music. One of the South African house genres, there's Kweto, which was developed in the mid-90s and popularized in the mid-90s as the country was moving away from apartheid. And it has this like really upbeat celebratory sound. And it pulled like not only from house music, but from hip hop, from jazz. And there are elements of R&B, elements of disco around it. And so I'm a piano descends from Queto in its evolution of house music. And when the lyrics started to develop, like an I'm a piano that you can hear that's like popular today, a lot of the cadences and some of the subgenres of I'm a piano feel like hip hop. And that is connected to their lineage through Queto. I asked Monka Per what she identifies as the genre's hallmark sounds. So one of the things that I was noticed going through some of my favorite I'm a piano songs is that each layer of the track is like introduced and given its own space so you can hear the song evolve. It often begins with a steady shaker, a common instrument used throughout African music, very steady kick drum, super, super consistent pace. I think that the most distinct characteristic of Ama Piano music is the log drum. Um, so it's this deep, like hollow, percussive sound. It can be programmed to sound a little different, to have variation, and it can be like stacked in different layers, but it is like the hallmark of Amapiano. So we're hearing Amapiano is housey and percussive, stemming from Cueto music. Moncaper hit upon three of the main elements of Amapiano, the kick drum, the shaker, and the percussion. <laughs> Let's see if we could hear those in the beginning of Diosa by Caliucci's. Kick. Definitely. <laughs> Four on the floor. Yeah. There's a lot of background syncopated percussion. That kind of a thing. Yeah. I think there's like a really soft shaker. Like a right? So very subdued. Yeah. Yeah. Very subdued compared to the, the more Latin tracks we've heard so far. The other thing I hear is that synth sound. Bunk, bunk. Yeah, that thing, that thing. <laughs> That to me sounds almost like a really high pitched up log drum, which is the 
other sound that we hear a lot in on the piano with the pitched drum that now in contemporary productions is synthesized tonal quick plucky kind of sound often very bassy but here it feels like she's using it as like a pluck element it's high little synthesized thing It's cool to hear this in the mix. You know, building on what I was saying earlier, maybe this represents something a little more subdued, a a little more like a kind of a quiet storm vibe. Mm. And I feel like it's also indicative of this genre's growing popularity on the charts. Like I remember at some point, I don't know, at some point we've talked about a song that's very popular right now by Tyla called water and it's cool to hear Kaliuchis now expanding this amapiano sound and pushing it further into like a u.s musical consciousness and also i feel like you had almost misspoken there for a second saying you know bringing this music into a, a u.s popular consciousness until, until i remembered that when I spoke with Caliuchis, you know, she is both American and Colombian. And uh, when she wanted to start releasing Spanish language music, her label was initially not supportive because they thought, well, your audience is is US based. Huh. Like you don't you don't have you don't have a Latin American audience. So wh- why would we take that risk on you? And and clearly she's proving here that not only does she have a, a US based audience and a Latin American audience, but a, she's she's reaching for a whole global audience. Mm. Going back to the Amapiano front, Callie has dabbled in Amapiano before. Look at her remix of Amore's Sad Girls Love Money. Love that line. She whispered to us in a couple of languages. It's like incredibly self-aware of, of exactly what she's doing. She's got that unbothered, breathy vocal and uh, speaking to us in many languages. And the looseness of Caliuchis's voice fits Amapiano well because it's light, it's silky. Amapiano mm. is very deep house influenced. So mm. since the beats are sitting in this smooth pocket, it seems natural to put the unbothered, smooth, silky voice over it. Mm, does fit, yeah. Rihanna, you've taken us on this global tour through not only like every part of Latin America musical diaspora, but also moving into the world of South African Amapiano. Is this musical experiment going to land in the same way that some of Kaliuchis's earlier hits will? Like, I guess what I'm asking is, this is really exciting musically. Do you think it will have that same commercial popularity that her some of her earlier work has managed to achieve? I think so. I feel like Kali Uchis's ethos as an artist has expressly been to break down the divides that separate culture in music. She was recently profiled by the LA Times, and I thought this quote was really relevant. She said, to take telepathia to the Latin radio, the label told me I would have to use different drums. I said no, and the radio still took it. Hmm. That means a lot to me because it means I can open doors for others and expand what it means to make popular music today. Our music can can extend beyond the niche. So I think this is something that she puts in to all of her music. And 
I feel like that ethos is what connects with people. It's her ability to cross all of these different genres and bring them together. And her latest album, Orquídeas, just proves that. This episode of Switched on Pop is produced by me, Rihanna Cruz, edited by Art Chung. Our engineer is Brandon McFarland. Our illustrations are by Iris Gottlieb, community management by Abby Barr, and our executive producer is Nishat Kurwa. We are a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network and a production of Vulture. Which is a part of New York Magazine. You can subscribe to New York Magazine at newyorkmag.com slash pod. Find us at Switched on Pop on social media and tell us what you're digging from Kali Uchis's latest record. And I highly recommend going to switchedonpop.com and putting your email address into a little box and then pressing enter or something or submit or reg- I don't know exactly what it is, okay? But it will sign you up for our newsletter where we are delivering little extra bonus thoughts about our episodes and the state of the music industry and the favorite tracks we're listening to. It's a really fun read. And uh, I, yeah, I think you should do it. We'll also post a link in our show notes if you want to subscribe to the newsletter. We'll be back again on Tuesday. And until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running, (laughs) but they choose to do it. In the new docuseries, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.